ghost. <laughs> Welcome to the Game of Thrones talk. <laughs> you just start off with ghosts. Yeah. We're just going to dive. The dire wolf. We're, we're going to dive right can, in on Can ghosts. we dive right in? Yeah. Okay. I don't read the books. Okay. Okay. Let's let's when we get into Game of Thrones talk, I have never read and, any of the books. Oh, okay. And you have, right? I, I have, and I do want to say this. Reading the books for Game of Thrones is not like if if any of you out there are Lord of the Rings fans and you tried to read the books, you're like, I can't get into this. Trust me, I had to slog through them. Lord of the Rings fans, you can come out my ass, because I didn't want to hear any more about Tom Bombadil and his cheese wheels. I was so, so done with Tolkien's writing style by the time I had read Lord of the Rings. But Game of Thrones reads, they're awesome. They are like books you can't put down. So let, let's start off. This yeah. past week was kind of the... It, for, for <laughs> me, I was, I was dreading it because this kind of proved people who were contractors of the last two episodes right. It was the episode where, okay, we got the goodbye episode, we got the fight, and now we have the recovery episode, and how are we going to be able to... You know, recu- how are we going to be able to tell all these stories to have all these loose ends? Right. So let's start off with the ghost. Go- the dire wolf. Right. Who was not a major player in this series really whatsoever unless it was convenient to save someone. What was his role in the book that has everybody upset? Or is it just that he's a wolf and people love animals? It's, it's, it's more that, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit because it's been a while since I've read the, the last book, but in my defense, it came out in like fucking 2002 or something at this point. Um, the dire wolves in the book, Ghost's role is still pretty minimal, so I'm pretty sure people are getting upset about just you left the animal behind and you didn't pet it. But here's a realistic answer to this. Like, whether you want to like it or not, I'm going to touch on this theme several times. This theme several times tonight. Like, they didn't have John pet Ghost because that's a lot of money, time, effort, and editing spent. So you're on, okay with that? Yeah, with that reason. I actually kind of, I, I like the heartbreaking dismissal. Like, yeah. look, if any of you have owned a pet, you know how obsessed you get, especially with dogs. Like, dogs yeah. have a way of pulling on your heartstrings. And if you've ever had to let a dog go or give a dog away or, God forbid, you know, have an animal put down, it's, it's a horrible thing. So maybe that worked best for John just to be like, look, man, I just got to go before this gets emotional, right? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm okay with it. But if you want to know the logistical reason for why they couldn't do it, that's just going to be a lot of fucking editing time spent on it. And before you come at me with, oh, well, the season hasn't been good anyway, first off, kiss my ass, but second off, I'm sorry, that's just the reality of doing a show. And as the show went along, they realized that Ghost's role in the way they wanted it in the show was very inconsequential. So it, it really is, spending, right? I mean, it was he yeah. was very inconsequential to for four or five seasons, it felt like. I right. mean, there was those smack dab those seasons in the middle of the show where he never showed up. And then he only showed up in like, I don't know, season uh Five, I think he came in out of nowhere, and everybody like was very surprised by it. Yeah, but it, the his role to the whole series was manufactured by the audience who loves animals. And let me bring this up is because I watch Veep, and Veep is in its final season. Love Veep, and there is a scene. It's kind of a spoiler. It's not a spoiler, but. Uh, she at some point during her lead into this season has bombed a uh, compound, a Obama or sorry, not Obama, <laughs> an Osama 
uh, Bin Laden compound, and <laughs> but it was the day of a wedding, right? right? Right. So she bombed it during the day of the wedding. It gets out, and they're they're all freaking out. Well, we'll never win the election because this got out, and then it turns out that the American people were all right because they killed a bunch of terrorists, right? They don't right. care about a wedding. They right. killed a bunch of terrorists. Well, then Mike McClintock, who is now progressed to TMZ level uh, whatever, he's a TMZ host, accidentally, without his real knowledge, shows a clip, and he asks, what is this right here? <laughs> and Selena goes, it's an elephant. <laughs> and then it, they just showed the elephant getting bombed <laughs> and getting bombed. And then later she lands on American soil after this whole thing, and she cannot understand why all these people hate her. It's because she killed the elephant. She killed the elephant. It doesn't matter about the people. And that's what the society is. This society, for whatever reason, this Twitter millennial society, cares more about animals, more about plants, than it does about fellow humans. And this just goes to show this is faux outrage about a fucking dire wolf that has not mattered for the majority of the storylines in this series. But in, and that's where, and, and you are definitely on the right path, and I completely agree with what you're saying, and I'll even add to it more to this by saying that this leading, I think it leads more credence to my, and I, it's not even a theory, I'm just going to list it as fact, is that people take show theories so far that they turn it into their reality. And when the show doesn't pan out that way, they're mad at a show for a premise that the show never promised them. Right. There's nothing in the show that ever promised you that Ghost was going to have a presence larger than what he already had. And even if, it, what, what is that presence going to be? He's still he's alive. He's, what more do you want? He's alive. And all he can do is rip people's throats out and be a dog. Yeah. An abnormally large dog, but he's still just a dog. He's not going to sit on the Iron Throne. He's not going to make you fucking breakfast. He's just <laughs> a dog. So you're saying he's not Hot Pie. Because Hot Pie can do both not, of those things. He is not Hot Pie. And Hot Pie is my dark horse to sit on the Iron Throne. I'm going to keep saying it until the show ends. But I, I want to pivot to Jamie Lannister. Because oh. my argument I just made for Ghost... Rolls right in yeah. to what people are going ape shit about Jamie Lannister. Do you do you here here's my thing about the whole Jamie Lannister, Brienne, Tormund thing. They survived, all right. I was so excited that those three survived because I was hoping for a Jamie Lannister redemption. I was hoping for Tom Tormund and Sir Brienne to to get it on, right? Right. I mean, that was my big thing. Like, if I'm rooting for some people to get happy. This is my problem with the episode, and I don't... People who want storylines that make sense and people who want character development and complained about the last two episodes and how they didn't make sense, this episode made zero sense. Take out the Starbucks coffee thing. <laughs> Brienne is reduced to a sniveling, typical woman in a fantasy novel, in any kind of novel, in almost a romantic comedy thing by Jamie. Her and Jamie should never hooked up. This her and Jamie thing should never been a thing. I don't know. I kind of disagree a little bit. Well, I mean, here she is. She's crying. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing yeah, with yeah. what you're saying about I, I, if, the, if, what they, her role if she would have stayed to. strong and maybe right. stabbed Jamie with, before he got on that <laughs> horse and said, "Hey, no motherfucker, you're staying with me." Like Tormund probably would have to Brienne, <laughs> like just stabbed <laughs> right. him. And then just dragged him with a <laughs> knife by his calf. That I could get behind. I could get behind that relationship. But the fact that 
Jamie sought her out and then convinced her to, I mean, I don't think I really took away what, now that I'm saying it out loud, I don't really think I took away in the initial viewing what I was supposed to. And that's Jamie Lannister was just a piece of shit. I'm saying it out loud now, and I feel like he's just a piece of shit who has misguided moral values. Okay. But he, he admits that in the show. Yeah. He even says as much, but... I don't. I just. I. I know he said it, and I don't think at the time I really just. I was so infuriated by how they portrayed Brienne and how Tormund just got the peace. See you later. I mean, to me, that's the more egregious goodbye than the fucking direwolf. But okay, so let me ask this before I get into the whole Jamie Lannister yeah. thing. Do you think? Do you do you believe that he left to try to go hook up with his sister, or do you think he left because he realized he's the only one to get close to his sister and possibly end this whole fucking thing? I think it's because he loves his sister. I, I, and, and now, just because, really, at, until this point, I hadn't even thought of it. Until we were hashing it out, and I was just talking about sure. what Jamie has done, I really didn't even give a shit about Jamie anymore, because he, and maybe that's what the writers wanted. Maybe they wanted us just to hate him, and maybe he still has a redemption story to tell, but I, I really think that I think he's a piece of shit. I think he just loves well, his love his sister wife. I think I think he's a piece of shit. Yeah. I think his redemption arc is almost complete. Because I really do think that he's going to Kings. I think the moment that Sansa made the comment to him in the courtyard about, you know, I really wanted to see your sister pay for this, or however it was she was she put it. I think that moment of realization was that not him like, oh, I've got a way to get out of here. It was uh, this is not gonna go well for them in King's Landing, them being John and and Danny and all that. Well it's this because they're go fucking well. idiots and we can get they're to that idiots later. And we're they're definitely the, gonna get the, to the that worst. but but this is not gonna go well for them. I'm the only one I think that can get close to Cersei and however this works, I'm just I I, I think I'm gonna have to take her out. I'm gonna die in the process. I know that but I'm gonna have to be the one that either talks sense into her or if that doesn't work I'm gonna have to take her ass out. But I will say this and again I gotta go back to people's theories and all this kind of stuff. The way I I don't know that I necessarily agree that Brienne was a complete idiot only because her and Jamie spent a lot of time together and that I think he actually does feel affection for her and possibly even love for her, but he knows that realistically that's not a life or a lifestyle he could live with. I mean, he was sleeping with his own sister. He threw a kid out the window to keep sleeping with his own sister. Like, he knows that he's got demons there. And let's say that everything goes perfectly. Ten years down the road, he's still with Brienne. Now, all of a sudden, the world's got peace in it. And he's probably going to start being a dick again, right? Yeah. And I think he knows this. Maybe I'm reading into it too far. That's but, fair. But, That's fair. But here's the problem I've got with people on Twitter. Is that a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of listeners, are going into this whole thing that it was a bunch of male writers that no, don't know how to write a female character. And so... <clears throat> you know, that's exactly what's happening here. And, and that's kind of how time. I felt walking away from it. And I'm not one of those people who automatically thinks that. But I, I've kind of felt that she got her character got reduced in those final moments. I, and I only think it was the moment where he's getting on the horse. I, I don't think it's anything other than that moment. Well, it, but I think it's I think the reason why he says that before he gets on the horse is to give her some finality that. Like, you're not talking me out of going down there. I've got to say something shocking to make you understand. There's no reason to follow me down yeah. there. 
because we've seen how her loyalty is over the course of the show. It's like total. When she gives yeah. you loyalty, she doesn't stick by your side. Aggressively so, like to the point where you're not going to be able to get rid of her. Like when she first meets up and is trying to find Sansa and find Arya and all that, because she absolutely refuses to leave anybody's side who has any kind of information about them. Once she discovers them, she doesn't want to leave their side, the whole thing, right? So if Jamie just looks at her and says, I think I'm the only one who's got to go to King's Landing and deal with my sister, what's Brienne going to do? Hey, she's Either gonna don't leave me or I'm coming with you, right? Yeah. But if he looks at her and says, you know what? Like, you were just a one-night stand. I don't have any love for you. I obviously have been sleeping with my sister. I threw a kid out the window. Like, you, I'm not who you think I am. While those things are true... I think it's also the shock value for him to be like, this is a clean cut. You need to stay here where you're not going to get killed because I got to go deal with something. So where does this leave the, I think, I think another part that lays into my anger or that is part of my anger is uh, where does this leave the storyline for Brienne and, and, and all, I mean, where does I, she go from here? I, is she, is she I think just the, done? I think she's show wise. I think she's done. I think the only, true path she has left is just she's going to be there to help protect whoever is running Winterfell. She's just going to she's going to get 15 seconds of screen time the very last yeah. episode for the wrap up and then that's really going to be it. And, and and again, for the I'll say this, we're going to move on to another part of the show, but the whole thing people are getting all upset about it should have been Tormund that hooked up with her. Okay, realistically it have. realistically though, let's walk through this. I, I like, mean, if if I, I I didn't know that she was a virgin, I mean, you could kind of guess that she was a virgin. But I mean, if I'm gonna lose my vir- virginity to someone, it's gonna be someone wild. I mean, right? I mean, I mean, I guess so. But I mean, here's the thing: like, I think the whole thing with Jamie shows that she I, she's definitely looking for more than just a hookup, right? I mean, she's the reason why she's a virgin. I mean, she's. Looking I mean, Tormund for- was. I know that he kind of, and that was another thing that bothered me that he just kind of like up and left Brienne and like went over to the other girl or whatever, uh, whoever was sitting on Podrick or whatever. Right. Who Podrick is a smooth man. That's a smooth Pod, motherfucker. Pod, Pod knows what he's doing. But, yeah. But so, but you saw where Tormund leaves and he's telling you know, John's trying to talk him out of it a little bit. Like, yeah. man, the Wildlings are Northerners now. Like, basically, there's no reason for the wall, man. You don't have to go back up there. And he's like, no, we. We're too far south. We don't belong up here. Is, it, is that written convenience? Is that script convenience? It may, it may be, but it does make sense because the, I mean, the books go about as much into the wildlings as the show does, but it, it makes sense from a territorial standpoint. But take that, yeah. take that for granted. What is Brienne going to go north with Tormund? I, no, I mean, no, like, I mean, that, obviously not that point. But not I mean, that's that what I'm saying. Like, is is that a point? So, like, as much as. People wanted to see Tormund and Brienne hooking up. And sure, I'm sure the show could have written it into where she wakes up. There's a hilariously awkward thing of we shouldn't have done this. But, like, I think that a little bit of it was like a love and a lost arc for her. So, like, she's not going north to Tormund. Like, that whole thing doesn't – it's just it's that it's just as silly of a throwaway as people are just as mad about the Jamie brienne thing. Let's talk about uh, the Arya scene with uh, Gendry. A lot of great callbacks in that one, in, in my opinion. If you're a fan of the show, you know Arya's history. You know what her and Ned Stark have talked about. Um, it was just so many callbacks because, you know, at the, I guess it was last week or the week or the episode they had sex, everybody was talking about Robert Baratheon telling Ned Stark that uh, Stark and a Baratheon are going to, you know, rule, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody finds out this episode that he is a Baratheon and he kind of gets like the side castle or whatever. Uh, 
And then he goes and brags. Summer home. Yeah, he goes and brags about to Arya and proposes to Arya, and Arya's like, you know, hey, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a lady. I am not that kind of person. It harkens back to Ned Stark in season one, you know, telling her, you know, you could be a nice lady and you could do this and that, try and talk her out of the. I think it was out of the sword uh, fighting, yeah, game or yeah. whatever, and she's like, I'm, I don't want to be those things, and. Talk about someone who stayed true to herself throughout the whole series. Throughout the whole series, she has stayed true to who she was as a child. And I thought those scenes with her and Gingery had so many callbacks since the sex and everything that it made you almost think that maybe she is going to be the lady. And then when she said it, and some people may be heartbroken, I'm thinking, I didn't. Yeah, okay. I get it. It makes sense, and I didn't. It makes total sense. I didn't believe for a second when they were building the tension up in that scene that she was going to accept. There's no yeah. way in hell. And and at the beginning of the episode, none of this is obvious. Or at the beginning of the series, I should say. <clears throat> excuse me. Not a lot of congestion tonight. Um, Arya's intention for not being a lady, I think, is a little more innocent and tomboyish. Like I just don't, I don't fit in with being a lady. I'm more interested in sword fighting, right? Yeah. But now that the harsh reality of life has come crashing down, you know, upon her for the last several years, now suddenly it's she truly is not a, a lady, quote unquote, like a lady of the court. I mean, she is a, a she's a battle hardened person who has escaped death several times. But even furthermore, just a, a side little. You know, a, a little side note there. <clears throat> a lot of people kept making the reference of someone in the show said at some point that no one can kill the Night King. Well, no one did. That's not exactly true because when she left the faceless men, she wouldn't give the final agreement of who are you? I am no one. She said, I'm Arya Stark and I'm going back to Winterfell. Like, yeah. it's basically like, Look, I've learned all this badass stuff, but I'm not going to become this soulless, like, humanless person that the faceless men have become. So there is still some humanity left in her, but she's a she's a cold killer type now. She's a lone assassin, cold killer type. She's not going to be a lady of a court, and it doesn't matter who she marries. She would autom automatically be looked at as a court-type lady and not, why is your wife doing all, out doing all this weird stuff? So yeah. I liked it. I didn't believe for a second she was ever going to say yes. I loved that she joined uh, the Hound on a, on, a, yeah. on a road trip again. I'm like, yes, hell yes. There, there is a theory that <laughs> the Clegane Bull is going to end with uh, the Hound killing the Mountain but suffering life-threatening wounds and... Basically, he's going to ask Arya to kill him, and then she's going to have to kill him. Possibly, I, I do. You, do you like that theory? I like that theory for their storyline. I, I feel like, like I like that theory for the convenience. Uh, and I think that's a good little story arc. I, I really believe the Hound is going to live, and I really have nothing to back that up yeah. with, other than I really kind of want him to. But um, I don't know. I I have to say. If you'd asked me a couple of years ago, I thought the Clegane Bowl thing was just total bullshit. <laughs> now that we're so close, so close, I want it to happen so yeah. bad, but I don't know. We'll just we'll have to see how that works. Let, let's let's move into here, here's how the the next few subjects are going to go. We're going to go Bran, and then we'll let's go to Sansa, and then we'll go into John and Danny. I want to yeah, and I briefly do you have something else you want to well, hit? Yeah, I, I like that because I want to I want to wrap up with how the show ended. Or, or I'm sorry, how this last episode ended. Right. I do want to quickly go through Bran, Sansa, and and you know John yeah. and Danny. So let's start with Bran. Yeah. 
let's let's talk about him. He's a fucking creeper, first well, off. Yeah. And and can we talk about But he's the, not he's not Bran. Yeah, yeah. Well right. He's, he's I mean Bran's the Raven, body, the three eyed Raven or whatever Bran. you want to call yeah. him. Uh the he became the odds on favorite to sit in the throne by Vegas. There's no way this this guy's sitting in the throne, right? I mean, beside the obvious logistics of the wheelchair and all that, trying to get to the throne and really no one to carry him up into the throne, literally and figuratively, he's not the Iron Throne guy. I just i I don't like that idea because it just I don't know why it just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, I I, I could see where in some kind of morbid dark type ending that he ends up ruling and it, his entire family is gone. And now he's just this shell of brand that is the, you know, the three eyed Raven, but he's, the, I, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem to work. It seems a little messy for me, but this show does have a history of just doing things that you don't expect. And this episode did do a couple of those. So I don't know. I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I don't know about odds on favor. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what was weird because it just came out today that Vegas said that. Let's talk about um, <laughs> the scene where John and Sansa and Arya are at the tree or whatever. Were they at the tree? Is that where it was? Yeah, or? that's that's where the secret and, was. And, you know, John's like tiptoeing around the whole subject that he fucked his aunt. And <laughs> then. He goes, Bran's like, if you want to tell them, you can tell them. And then John goes, you know, later after back and forth, tell them. I mean, the the meme is is that, he, you know, John's like, tell them the secret. And Bran's like, yeah, he fucked his aunt. I mean, like, how do you, I mean, they shied <laughs> away. It, yeah, they shied away from the whole scene, which took away from a little bit from the storytelling, the gravitas of the scene of how the weight should have impacted and everything. But is that the guy, like of all characters, every character dead or alive, okay, is Three-Eyed Raven Brand, the guy that you want to deliver that news. I think so because I <laughs> think it? well, for I think for the storytelling for storytelling purposes, it makes sense because who are the two people that he knows the most, other than his siblings, that know that he's not the same person right. anymore? So, like his whole thing about being the Three-Eyed Raven, and it's obvious that he's not Brand. He's there's something of a higher power going on. I think he is the right person to say that because without a doubt, he's not lying. Okay, so you're right. you're taking it from the aspect it, that he's the three-eyed raven. He knows this is fact. You're hearing it from the mouth of a god. Yeah. So basically he's like a the guy that was that witnessed the murder, and you're saying here it's you basically go. like you're debating of something with your buddy, and you're like, Well, I'm gonna ask Google. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you right. just whip out okay. the phone. Oh, well, Google just said you're wrong. Gotcha. I just could not imagine the the I guess the the way it was presented to the Stark sisters about the whole, well, like the, the, I guess the human aspect of it. Sure. And I think the whole reason why that is not shown with them actually being told is to sell the weight more of Sansa immediately just turning around and betraying his confidence. Now this is where I will buy in to the theory of the writers are just not writing women correctly because they have made Sansa so vindictive and bitchy for kind of no reason the last few episodes. Yeah, I'm, I, I kind of understand her motive of bitchiness sure. just because she feels threatened. Sure, but she's, 
it, it's really weird. Like when you look at it from a, per- I'm a guy that hated Sansa. I always hated Sansa, and I was never a big fan yeah, of her character. And I'm I'm I was all in on Danny. So. I'm also not a big fan of the actress. <laughs> right, right. That was another thing that played yeah. into it. So the the cr- the cross section of me liking Danny at the beginning of the show and me hating Sansa is coming very close. In these junctures and leading up to it, because Sansa has proven to be not physically empowering, but she's mentally empowering. Like, she is playing the game and she's looking at it from a lot of different angles. And then Danny is looking at it from a strength, you know, perception of emotion, all this. It's it's hard to explain without coming off like a Sansa, pro Sansa and anti Danny, but. I get that she feels threatened, and I get that the the things that she brings up that she does not like that Danny is doing strategically make a lot of sense. She doesn't like that she's having that she's having to move so quick with the with the tired and the hungry soldiers to go on down to Cersei, who's you know wouldn't get in that later. But I also get the fact that okay, bitch, put it aside. I mean, you, for the common good. So it's I'm at that weird level where I agree with everybody and disagree with everybody. Well, and and I get my my issue with her in this last episode was the one line that she delivered to Jamie, which ended up you know getting him kind of to snap into or out to or out of reality, whatever it was for him to leave. To where she gets news, Sansa gets news. That um, um, that Danny has lost one of the dragons, and, and which how the, are they getting all this news so quick? And how are they getting the? It's the I mean, logistics have just say, blown out the, the book, window. Unless I'm mistaken, the book doesn't really reference it, other than just to bring up. Obviously, they use ravens to send messages. Yeah. I don't remember if the book kind of references that the ravens have some kind of magical makeup, basically to somehow fly fast or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. But obviously, they're using birds to communicate. But still, no, I agree with you. I mean, it's like they're speeding up the flow of information and how quickly people get places for convenience and not not really doing a good job of continuity to show how people get there. But at the same time, when she gets the news that Danny has lost a dragon and that the small fleet they had was just utterly destroyed by Euron, her reaction is not one of, like, rage and what are we going to do and that's devastating news it's to make kind of a bitchy pithy comment to jamie of i really want to see your sister pay for it really what about the news that you're probably going to lose your brother now yeah and that all these people that you just spent time with and these soldiers that just gave their lives now a lot of them have just been murdered and the rest of them are probably just a day away from getting killed themselves and your only reaction is to have a bitchy like high school lunchroom argument reaction of, ah, I didn't want to, I want to see your sister eat it. It's like, yeah. okay, well that did bug me. And that, I thought that was a poor writing choice. And speaking of poor writing choices, I want to roll right into two. I want to ro- hit one quick thing and then roll right into the end of the episode. Cause this is my absolute biggest problem with this episode and to date with how the season's gone. First off, I really didn't like the plot armor, the convenience of the plot armor that the dragons have if somebody's riding one of the dragons, they can't die. But the second someone's not riding a dragon, they're vulnerable as shit. Right. So with complete pinpoint, like tomahawk accuracy, Euron takes down this dragon. A great death scene, by the way. Right. Utterly devastating, like 
typical Game of Thrones, like very surprising, quick hit. You don't know what's coming. Yeah, because Danny was like flying through the air. She was happy. Is like how to train your dragon up there. Right. I mean, she was smiling. I mean, and she's then, up. She's up ten, fifteen thousand feet. Yeah. And that dragon takes a bolt through the neck. Great death scene. But she gets pissed off. She turns around and faces the fleet and flies right at him. Yeah. And doesn't get it hit does, by no. a single fucking bolt. And can we talk about the fact that she refused to use the fire? Like, dragons breathe fire, right? I mean, and it's why like is she not using it? explosive. Like, we have yeah. seen multiple times throughout the seasons that it is explosive. Like, when the fire hits, it's like ripping the ground up like it's some kind of crazy tornado or something. So, I completely agree with you. Plot armor convenience of her flying right at the fleet and nobody hits her with a bolt. She still turns around and flies off and nobody can still hit her yeah. now. But then they turn right around and they're using the same bolts and they take out all the ships in like a matter of 30 seconds. Yeah. It, it, it was a ridiculous scene for me on many levels, especially when the dragon started getting hit, especially because she has the vantage point. Shouldn't she have been able to see Euron's, you know, fleet? And, and so I'm going to take it a step further. All the boats are destroyed. The majority of the survivors swim to shore at Dragonstone. They have no weapons. They have a single dragon that can breathe fire. Euron's got them outnumbered like 20 to 1. Why are we not storming beaches? How are we not why, shooting them in the water? Why is Cersei not doing the same thing? Why? How are we not shooting them in the water? Like, I, I, if, if you've rendered the dragon useless because they can't get near the boats because of the scorpion uh, crossbow things, then I don't understand how they didn't pick apart the rest of their forces in the water. How did they not storm the beaches? How did they not end it right there on Dragonstone? And then that leads right into by far the stupidest scene. I think the stupidest scene I've seen the show do. I, I have to agree. Which, this, this episode had a lot of stupidity <laughs> for me. And I'm a guy who who didn't mind the Dothraki army, you know, in the, the battle Winterfell just going off. There, there's a lot of things I can make excuses for in my head that says, okay, well, I can see why they would do that. And, and other people would say, well, I don't know why they did that. Well, it's because I see that Danny and John throughout the whole series... They're not very good strategists. No. And, no. and, no and it really shows right here, but this is maybe... No strategic aptitude. This may be even too dumb for them. And this is really dumb on Cersei's part. It's too dumb for the average person who thinks about the whole reason why you would want to go... You don't even have to be good at negotiating, just realizing that you're walking into what should be a trap. Right. And we'll go to break real quick, and then we'll come back and talk about it. And we're back. So, the the obviously the, the the my God the show the the episode ends with Danny showing up with Grey Worm, uh, a small contingent of the uh, Unsullied, the dragon sitting off in the distance, approaching the outer gate of King's Landing to negotiate for which was totally ineffective the, for him to even be out there. Uh, yeah, which what is the girl's name that? Miss Sandy. Miss Sandy. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go with that. I think you're correct, but I'm just too yeah. lazy to look it up. So, Miss Sandy has been taken prisoner, right. uh, which she was plucked out of the water somehow, I guess. But and again, <laughs> yeah. we didn't rip the force apart so of the water. Yeah, but she got kidnapped. Fine. However, she ended up there. She's standing up there. the 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 threat is unless Danny. It gives her unconditional surrender. Miss Andy's going to die, which is kind of a silly plot device anyway, because if she surrenders, 
what, she's just going to let Miss Andy go and yeah. then let them leave? GTFO. So, uh, so Miss Andy's standing up there. She's terrified. She's bound. It looks like it's about to go down. Uh, the, the creepy doctor, which I can't think of his name, walks out. Um, yeah, and I, I don't remember his name either, but I know uh, Dryden or something like so, that. <laughs> just totally. There's people listening to this right now like, oh, you fucking idiots. But uh, anyways, the, um, the, the, no, that's not it. Anyway, I don't give a shit. So he walks out to negotiate with uh, with uh, Tyrion. Yeah. Tyrion and them are having a terse discussion, and then Tyrion decides, I'm going to walk right up to the gate and, and plead to my sister directly. At some point, Cersei looks like she might give in. Everybody knows she's not going to. Anyways, you, you all saw the scene. The scene opens up with about 17 to 20 of these giant scorpion crossbows with their arrows pointed right at the dragon, well within the range of what they yeah. put one through the neck of this other dragon not 20 minutes before. The contingent of Unsullied is maybe, maybe 100 people. Close-knit, tightly surrounded by Danny, and the crossbows that are not focused on the dragon are focused on them. She's standing in the middle of seething, right next to Grey Worm, who is seething. Tyrion is up next to the gate negotiating. They're in a kill box. Like, they're standing in a perfect position for all of those crossbows to open up and wipe them out immediately. And that's one of the things is, why is Danny's crew going straight to King's Landing without the myriads of reinforcements from the north? Like, it makes no sense unless this was the north's plan all along was to let them two battle it out and hopefully the dragons take out a few and then they come out and then the north comes in takes over the whole thing but from a, i can't put that much faith into john snow to have that kind of cunning to make that move and come in the back door what's all happening this this scene did not play to it played to the stupidity of john and danny right it 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 really played to that they're idiots. But it did not play to what Cersei has really done throughout the whole thing is while she is a rage monster, she is strategically sound. Well, she's strategically... And ruthless. She's strategically... Exactly. She's strategically sound from a ruthless, I absolutely do not give a shit who dies by carrying out my plans. And so the, the, the scene and the episode ends... With uh, Misandry losing her head. Yep. Which, okay, so if you're negotiating and the chess piece is lost, there is absolutely no reason for the person who just committed that crime to keep any more of their bargain. And Tyrion turns his back and slowly walks away. Right. I fully expected, I, it, it, I was actually desperate for the show to open fire and kill everyone in that field because it's the only thing that made sense for that scene. And yet, I agree. presumably, Cersei just lets them walk away because the show, the episode fades to black. I, I, up until this point, I have really defended this show against the allegations of lazy writing. I can't for that one. Right. I was cool with the episode up until the part with right after where the dragon, the green one, dies, and then the plot armor kicked in. From that point on till the very end of the episode when the credits rolled, I was pretty disgusted with it. Yeah, I th- I had more problems with the strategic element of this whole show or the strategic elements of this season in this episode. 
I, I thought this episode lacked it. I thought it lacked cunning. I thought it lacked what certain characters would actually do. I, I'm not so certain that Tyrion would have walked up there. And if even if he did, Cersei, I think, still would have killed him on his way, walk up or walk back. Yeah, and, and I was waiting for him to, to take an arrow to the chest. Yeah, I, I really thought that when he said the thing about the kid and her kid, he was done for. Because uh, yeah. he served his purpose, right? I mean, he at this point... Yes, he absolutely served I mean, his purpose. He he effectively killed Cersei's only ally, or you would think, if Euron is that smart, I mean, surely he is, and took that off the board, fucked his sister in to losing that part of the army, and it was, should be done, and I, I don't... I don't get it. I don't get the what ver, is it? I never pronounce his name correctly. The eunuch. Oh, um, Versi- varies. Varies. Yeah. I, I, varies going for Jon Snow makes sense, but really, I think varies should be should have been pushing Sansa if he wanted to get Tyrion on his side to get Danny away. Well, I think that there's. There's a scene, and to me, one of the actual very good parts of the show and why I thought Tyrion was going to eat it is because Varys makes a comment to Tyrion when the scene opens of, you're drinking a lot. And Tyrion just kind of gives him this look like, I mean, really, what else am I going to do? I've survived death how many times? So anyways, Tyrion basically says, at some point, do you stop serving the system and realize like you have the right person who could be the ruler and she's it? What I really like about Varys' character, and I'm so glad that the show has not gone out of the way to ruin him, is that he truly is a political operative. He is there. His his intentions are to serve the system, and they're not necessarily evil. They're just skeevy. Yeah. Like, Littlefinger's intentions went to self-serving and evil, and that's where he lost it, and I think that's why the show ended up killing him, and I thought it was a very good way for him to leave the show. But Varys has not done that. The only time that he's done something personally serving is when he found the guy who cut his balls off and he killed him. Really, that's the only thing in the show that he's done that's been self-serving for his interest. Everything else has been for the good of the kingdom. And I think that he sees that Danny has flipped and is is really heading towards the very typical, like, unhinged Targaryen, I'll burn anybody in my path. Like, yeah. and, and the end of that episode as stupid as the last 20 minutes were, the end of that episode really showed that uncontrollable rage on her face that I think is going to lead to why I don't think she survives and why I think ultimately John's going to end up having to take her out because he's going to come to the realization of, damn, like, I'm, this is my Jamie Lannister moment. Like, I've, I can't let her rule. She's got to go. But, so I was okay with with the whole premise behind what Varys did, but I was so, again, turned off. From the moment the dragon died and then the plot armor kicked on for the dragon she was riding, I, I was I was not okay with it. So let me ask you a question. Sure. Um, who 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 did you have sitting on the Iron Throne last week? Oh, man, what did I say? I mean, I made the joke about Hot Pie, but I think um, I, I believe I went with John. Do you still that think it's, it's John? John? It's John, but how did I phrase it? I think I said... It's John, but it's it's dark. Yeah, like he, he had, had to go he through. He had to kill Danny, and I yeah. think he's lost something else. Do you he, think maybe it's still that? Arya or something. I do. I'm sticking with that. Actually, it, I I've got more confidence now that it's going to be John with Tyrion at his side because if she didn't kill Tyrion at the gate, I think he just earned himself a pass to the end of the show. Yeah. 
I am going to go with, I think, um, I'm going to change. And I don't like it because it's so predictable, but I really do think at this point it's going to be John. If it's not going to be Sansa, it's going to be John. Yeah, I think it's just and if, it's too predictable for my taste, it, but it, I think I'm okay well, with I'm okay I'm I'm acceptable I'm accepting of the predictable. But the problem is is that for a show that's been so unpredictable for so long and I've loved it for that, this last episode really left a bad taste in my mouth about kind of doing the predictable thing. Like it almost right. the end of I that, think that's what it was. And, that's and a good point. I guess let me kind of say it like this. I didn't like the end of that episode because it ended like a network TV episode. It did. Of like an NCIS or a CSI to where you know the characters, the main characters in the show are never going to die. They're never going to kill their bread and butter. So there's really no tension there. Yeah. <coughs> and realize, once I realized that no one was going to die in that scene, they were going to roll a credits. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? So it almost went back towards the level of predictable, which is why I'm sticking with John because I think I really think they are going to end the show that way. Well, that's unfortunate, but that's really... Do you have anything else? The last thing I want to hit on, uh, switching gears away from Game of Thrones real quick and just kind of reference a quick show. We're not going to discuss the episode because you haven't watched it, but I at least want to give a little bit of the premise real quick and we'll roll off of it. Oh, yeah. The show Chernobyl on, on HBO. I don't know the average age of our listener out there. I am 37. I was born in 1982. Um, Chernobyl happened in 1986 I was almost five when it happened so it was one of my first memories of having people watch something on TV where they were horrified um right after that was the challenger exploding but but anyways where I'm going with this is that Chernobyl was a very big catalyst in nuclear power going from being an accepted as a safe form of like electricity to people were terrified of it. And this show, the opening episode does an excellent, excellent job of explaining why it was so horrific. If you are any kind of fan of psychological thrillers or horrors, this show rooted in truth is right up your alley. It, it truly is a terrifying and engrossing look at that accident. The opening episode is up on HBO now. Check it out. You'll absolutely love it. Well, that is it for our little pop culture talk yeah. about Game of Thrones. I'm excited. I'm actually going to watch Chernobyl probably tonight. Oh, it's good. I, Very if good. I have some time. Uh, other than that, uh, you can follow us on at, at FWordsPod on Twitter. That's it. Uh, we have at, at Mr. Lebowski if you want to follow me. Mr. Lebowski. Uh, we have pinned to our profile page a Google poll. Go take the uh, poll questions. It'll The survey will really take you about two to four minutes. It won't take you long. It's just, you know, for us to try to make the show better and try yeah. to figure it out. And Do us a favor there. Yeah. Other than that, uh, this is Football and Other F-Words, and you've just been F'd. I think it's you've just been G-O-T'd. You've been G-O-T'd, <laughs> GTFO.